0: right ship ahoy once again, we say welcome aboard. It's good to be with you. At this time, Brother on speaking, our program here called The Mariner's Call. God bless you for just being there, being uh, part of the uh, group of broadcasters here on this station. And of course, it's our honor. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, read verse 18. We find a blessed promise here, a promise. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Uh, by the way, if you ever like to correspond with us, if you're close to a computer uh, to that keyboard, it's just f o m m dot o r g. Of course, we're on the worldwide web, www period f o m m dot o r g. That'll get directly to us. There'll be some things that you can sort of look through uh, to decide whether you want to view, and there's a way to contact us through there also. If we can help you, please let us know. If you'd like to write to us for snail mail, our announcer at the end of the program will give you an address whereby you can correspond with Old Fisherman here. So we say from the banks of the Bon Secours River, the southernmost part of the state of Alabama, right here from the offices and studios of Fishers and Men Ministries International, the mission arm of the Fisherman Baptist Church here, and we say it's a blessing to be with you. Isaiah chapter one, verse 18, and I know some of you probably who have this memorized. Isaiah 118, Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they'll be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. What a promise here. We have here God willing to take and have a conference with man. It's almost like I can sort of see the passage there and visualize the Lord from the sky looking down here to fallen mankind saying, hey, 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 sinner. We've got to talk. We've got to talk. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. A conference, an invitation to a conference. Come now. And if we were to bring this passage of scripture on into the New Testament, and we can do so without crossing doctrinal boundaries, because my friend, here is no more than just an invitation for God to talk to man. And I find an invitation for such even here in the New Testament. An invitation to a conference. We have Isaiah here. Of course, he's described uh, as being a messianic prophet because he prophesies of the coming of Christ. He prophesies to the southern kingdom of Israel here. And uh, God is speaking through Isaiah. And God says this to this nation that has left him. Come now and let us reason together. Come now. The invitation to all. And if we take it, And as we take and place it into the New Testament period of time where me and you would live, come now, an invitation to all. There's no race, no creed, no color, no condition to meet. As we sing this song, the invitation song, so many times, just as I am without one plea. But I'll be honest with you, I can't understand it. I cannot imagine a sovereign, holy God bending over heaven, offering to depraved humanity any help whatsoever after what humans have done. It says here, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Why would you reason with man in the mess that he's in? You know, how did God, we think about the cross, how did God stay his hand at the mistreatment of his son? Jesus was betrayed and mocked and beat and bruised and put to death by sin-sick men. And today, men curse his name. They trample his blood underfoot. The foot. They resist and refuse, and yet God still has the invitation there. In the New Testament, I find such statements as, come unto me, O ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. In fact, the last, we think about the last invitation in the Bible, Revelation 22, the last chapter, the spirit and the bride say, come, and he that heareth say, come, and he that is athirst say, come, my friend. We think about God and all his sovereignty. It is, my friend, this, I mean, a reigning, ruling God is more, my friend, and just a sovereign. He is holy, my friend, in the sense that from those character traits proceed love and mercy and grace. So, my friend, I find God saying, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. He is willing to sit down. This is an appeal to the intellect. He is willing to sit down and reason together. Let's get our heads together and our hearts together. Let's talk about it. Let's inquire. Let's debate. Whatever you want to do, I'll sit down and talk with you. As far as the context is concerned, he was not wanting to talk with them over his existence. These people in Isaiah chapter 1, they knew that God lived. He wouldn't want to talk with them he didn't desire to discuss with them his word to them because they knew what God had said. You could read that in verse 20. What's the subject? Lord, what do you want to talk about? As God looks down from heaven and looks down to fallen man and says something like this, we got to talk. Talk about what? All right, here we go. Here's our verse again. "Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. uh- oh, they shall be as white as snow." Though your sins be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We've got to talk about this sin thing. Oh, that's a subject people don't want to address today. To begin with, uh, we have, uh, it's not a doctrine, but a teaching to begin with, that there's nothing basically sinful anymore anyway. It's just as to how to look at it, as to how a person looks at it. A lot of times it has to do with the situation, hence you have situation ethics. As far as sin is concerned, God said, we've got to talk. As far as this nation here, this nation had gotten to the point whereby, well, let me just read you what God said. Isaiah chapter one, verse four, ah, oh, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. A seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They're gone away backwards. They've revolted from the sole of the foot. Even to the head, there was no soundness, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. These people were a mess. They were a sinful nation. And God said, we've got to talk. We've got to talk. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, They shall be as wool. We've got to talk about this sin thing. You know, a man said one time as he was being talked to and presented the gospel uh, to by uh, a, a Christian, he said something like this. As the Christian began to talk about this thing about sin and the weight of sin, he said, sir, I feel no weight of sin. This lost person said that. I feel no weight of sin. And of course, the safe person was wise enough to help him to understand why he did not feel. Sometimes you can feel the weight of sin, but all for a lost man running from God could feel no weight of sin. It's kind of like this. If, if you had uh, maybe someone that you knew had passed away and you saw them in the casket, they were laying there in the casket and there was a viewing. Suppose you put 10 pound rock on his chest. Could you feel it? Or could he feel it? If you put a 10-pound rock on a dead man's chest, could he feel it? (laughs) said, no, because he's dead. Well, that's the condition of lost mankind. The reason he don't want to talk about sin is because he didn't figure he's that bad, you know. In fact, I have people to tell me that. I tell you what, preacher, I'm no sinner. (laughs) Why The Bible said, all have sinned. I feel no weight of sin. You got to talk about that. God wants to talk about this problem because that is the problem that God came to fix through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then basically, in reality, the only difference between a saved man and a lost man is that the saved man has his sins forgiven. It's not a morality issue. Sometimes the lost man is better than the saved man as far as his morals is concerned, if you know what I'm talking about. But one is forgiven. The other is not. Forgiven of what? Sins. We've got to talk about this sin thing. What about it? Sin's origin. Oh, it didn't begin with Adam and Eve. began with this one, oh, the anointed cherub that covereth. We think about this one mentioned, oh, by Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 14. In fact, I'd like for you to read that sometime. Isaiah chapter 14, this one called Lucifer. Instead of covering the throne of God, what happened? He coveted. So the initial sin was covetousness. Hence, the God of this world today is not our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Second Corinthians 4, 4, is the devil himself. So we think about this world, all oh, oh, sinful world today. We well could say of my country, I live in America. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 3, ah, or verse 4, ah, sinful nation, we are. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, that have forsaken the Lord. That would be true. Of my country, you know as far as sin is concerned, sin's reality. I mean it's just uh, everywhere men has been taken and immersed in sin. Sin's results is always the same. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, one of the plainest, clearest verses in the entire Bible for the wages of sin. Sin pays? Oh yeah, you mean it pays to sin? Well, of course. what's the pay? For the wages of sin is what? Dollars? Oh, no. For the wages of sin is death. Oh, and even prior death for those who are in sin. We think about the tears and the defeat and the mental anguish that's there. God says, we got to talk about this sin thing. As to the extent of sin, oh, it says the sin was as scarlet, the sin was as crimson. He said, what is that? Deeply stained, deeply dyed dipped by our own transgressions, dipped, soaking long in sin, scarlet stain of sin, like, like these people were bloody. And he actually says this. He said, you will not hear your hands are full of blood. Verse 15, sin will ruin a life. What's the wonderful promise here, though? You know, just looking at the problem will not save you. You know, just looking at the wound will not save. You have to find a remedy. A lot of people will confess that, Brother one. yes, I'm I'm a sinner. I understand that. I've done wrong. And I know that I'm away from God. I know it. But that's not going to give you forgiveness, my friend. The extent of the cleansing is, though, it says, they be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow. We sing the song, whiter than snow. Yes, whiter than snow. I remember the song Dr. Lester Roloff used to sing, dark the sin that saw man's nature, long the distance that he fell, far removed from hope in heaven, near to deep despair in hell. But there was a fountain open and the blood of God's own son purifies the soul and reaches deeper than the stain has gone. I remember with my own life, just soaked, year after year in sin. And as far as my life was concerned, stained, old double stained by original corruption, yes, but by actual transgressions soaked long in sin. But I'm glad there was a conference with God. With me, it was 1966. I'm glad there was a meeting. And I'm glad that God, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed there at Calvary, provides eternal forgiveness, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. In the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son cleanses us from all sin, whiter than snow. This is God's term. God's terms are come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. does not make any difference how deep the stain of sin has gone. God can save through his son. Is Jesus your savior Have you trusted him to be your savior? It's almost like I can hear God, the God of heaven, looking down from the sky saying, Hey, sinner, we got to talk. And for the saint of God, my friend, to bring rejoicing in our heart that we have a peace of knowing forgiveness. Until next week, Fisher Munn saying goodbye.